Chapter 2 The Power of Hunger Controlling hunger is one of the great difficulties everyone faces when attempting to lose weight. Yet hunger control is the cornerstone of the most weight loss programs. The standard axiom of weight loss programs is that if you give in to your hunger, you will gain weight. That leaves you with only two choices. either you mount a clean effort to control your natural desire for food or you take some form of medications or go on a ketosis producing diet like atkins or optifast programs to suppress your hunger pangs as most people know these methods usually fail what everyone who wants to lose weight must first realize is that The hunger drive was not meant to be ignored or suppressed. It was designed by nature to be powerful, sometimes overwhelmingly so, in order to keep you alive. Therefore, the longer you go without food, the stronger the hunger drive becomes. For a learning experience, stop eating for 48 hours. Don't attempt this if you are ill or medication. The first 12 hours are fairly controllable. After that you will think increasingly about food. By the time you have been without food for 24 hours, you will have discovered a sure way of to eliminate all your other daily troubles. You will no longer worry about money, family feuds or nuclear war. You will have only one thing in your mind, food. By the second day without food you will be filling your stomach with gallons of water desperate for even a temporary feeling of fullness if you persist in refusing to eat your physical discomfort will extend beyond hunger pangs to fatigue cold and nausea these symptoms will grow ever more acute until you will be unable to distract yourself from your misery without such a strong drive to eat you might forego food for play work or some other activity the result would be malnourishment and possibly death by starvation the unrelenting strength of your hunger drive is necessary for your personal survival and for the survival of the human race graphic examples of just how strong hunger truly is are scattered throughout history hunger has driven people to great acts of courage and ghastly acts of barbarism but as a general rule it's safe to say that hungrier you are the more out of control you become you really cannot do very much with your life until you have eaten there have probably been times when you have succeeded in controlling this monkey on your back the insatiable desire to eat Group therapy like Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem programs may have helped you sustain your willpower to withstand the pain of hunger a little longer. But like most dieters, you probably gave up eventually and ate. Once you did, you regained the weight you had lost and then some hunger triggers survival mechanisms regaining weight 
may have caused you much disappointment and guilt many people become angry at themselves and feel like failures they do not realize that the battle against hunger was never meant to be won your own body turns against you in that battle when you go hungry for a prolonged period your body reacts as it would do to starvation studies have shown that body has a number of survival mechanisms that food deprivation sets in motion one is a tendency to overeat when food becomes available again in order to get ready for the next period of food shortage <clears throat> after world war first and second victims of starvation found it difficult to control their appetites often they would consume 4000 to 5000 calories per day many of them becoming obese there are reports of prisoners castaways and lost explorers who overate sometimes to the point of death when food was made available to them after a period of forced semi starvation thus when dieters stop dieting they often overeat and regain more weight than they are carrying before they started fasting obviously this can be frustrating especially given the effort people make to lose the weight in the first place people who are starving may also experience improved efficiency of their intestines which become better at absorbing nutrients after a period of starvation thus when they start eating again they gain weight more quickly than they did before they began to diet another of the body's survival mechanism in response to insufficient food is to lower its metabolic rate with complete starvation the average weight loss is almost 6 pounds a week at this rate death could be expected in about 21 days for a man of average size however voluntary starvation is otherwise healthy young men of normal weight can usually be sustained for a little more than 60 days the survival time is tripled because the metabolic rate drops during periods of food scarcity lowered metabolism means that dieters burn fewer calories both at rest and when they exercise see chapter 9 for more on exercise in other words these survival mechanisms mean that the body works against you when you are dieting your intention to lose weight as quickly and as efficiently as possible you believe that if you put yourself through a semi starvation routine weight loss will be easier but it doesn't work out that way it's true that you lose weight but because your metabolism slows and calories are conserved weight loss requires more effort and more will power moreover these survival mechanisms are cumulative the more you diet the more efficient your body becomes at using food thus weight loss is slower on the second diet than the first and each time you begin a new diet you will have a harder time losing weight because your body has been trained to survive during periods of starvation in short the more you diet 
the harder it becomes to lose weight. It isn't just fat you're losing either. Repeated dieting and weight gain or the yo-yo syndrome is not only ineffective but actually deleterious to health because of the kinds of changes produced in body composition. With weight loss during periods of semi-starvation, otherwise known as dieting, you lose considerable muscle mass along with fat, especially if you don't exercise while you diet. But after you give up the diet, the weight you regain is primarily fat. The net effect of dieting is that your body consists of more fat and less muscle at the same weight. Muscle, which is very active tissue, consumes many more calories than fat tissue. Even while you are resting, healthy muscle burns calories. Fat, on the other hand, is mostly stored calories. Consequently, when you replace muscle with fat, you're actually taking away the very tissues that would help you lose weight in the future. This makes it more likely that you will still stay fatter as you convert muscle into fat. Meanwhile, you blame your appetite for the excessive desire to eat and you blame yourself for your pitiful lack of willpower. These feelings are reinforced by a chorus of expert voices say, to lose weight, you must cut down. And calories are the only thing that count. Overweight people declare, the reason I'm fat is I overeat. I can't control my appetite. Trying to fool Mother Nature Faced with this unrelenting hunger drive, people respond in one of five ways. Number one, they give up and eat. This naturally results in weight gain, especially on the standard American diet. You'll see why this happens in greater detail in chapter 4. Number 2. They deny hunger for a while. A variety of methods are used to deny hunger, but all of them boil down to simple willpower. And as I have been saying, hunger eventually wins out. Number 3. They take hunger suppressing pills. Medications are used to deal with illness. People who take diet pills must believe their hunger drive is somehow impaired or unhealthy and therefore in need of a drug to put it right. These pills result in little weight loss and lots of side effects. Among the most common are nervousness, anxiety, restlessness, irritability, insomnia, dizziness, stomach problems and dry mouth. Number four, they make themselves sick. Temporary illness can be brought about by diets severely deficient in carbohydrates. Without sufficient carbohydrates, the body burns fat. 
producing appetite suppressing ketones as byproduct several years ago these diets relied on carbohydrate deficient meats and dairy products these days we have the convenience of instant sickness provided by packages and cans of high protein low carbohydrate powders the results are often dramatic but the benefits are only temporary one of the ways they work is by serving as a diuretic forcing the body to eliminate water from tissues eventually these diets may contribute to disorders of the heart kidneys or liver because these diets are so rich in protein they also contribute to the demineralization of bones and can lead to osteoporosis they can also cause fatigue poor circulation loss of appetite nausea and irregular heartbeat number 5 they undergo surgery the seriously obese submit to a variety of surgeries on their intestinal tracts in an attempt to compensate for the hunger some surgeries cause greater fullness with less food by effectively shrinking the size of the stomach staples are placed in the stomach to create a small pouch or bypasses are performed around the stomach other surgeries isolate a portion of the small intestine out of the normal flow of food causing malabsorption of the foods consumed these drastic attempts to cure overeating have severe side effects and often are failures whenever you try to manipulate the hunger drive you are surrendering to one compelling yet erroneous belief that your need for food is wrong you believe that nature designed you incorrectly you therefore believe that your hunger drive must be changed or corrected my question is this is such a thing possible can your biological need for food be out of alignment with our need for health and for stability in our weight let's take a closer look understanding your human needs we are endowed by design with certain instincts and drives that keep us alive and help determine our success in life these life sustaining forces can be ranked by how essential they are to life air without air you will survive only 3 minutes water without water you will survive only 3 days food without food you will survive 3 weeks to 3 months what are non essential needs sex money love sex is required for building a family money for occupational success and love for community status the non essential needs such as those for sex and occupation success often rule our lives but the fact is we can live without them on the other hand we must breathe eat and drink to stay alive how well has the need to breathe been designed do you know people who overbreathe 
Do you count the number of breaths you take every minute to be sure you get enough air? Or do you rely on the breathing drive? How would you feel if I told you that there is a shortage of air in your community and that to do your part to conserve? I would like you to take 14 breaths a minute rather than the 18 you normally take. It would require enormous concentration and discipline to control your breath continually. How about thirst? Do you trust your thirst drive? While gardening on a hot summer day, do you say to yourself, I'm thirsty, but I've already had my 6 glasses of water, so I can't have any more? Or do you trust your thirst drive to govern how much you need to drink? How many people do you know who overdrink water? Obviously, your drives for air and water were designed correctly and can be trusted. Why is it that so many people overeat and must count every morsel that passes their lips lest they become fat and sick? Was the hunger drive designed incorrectly and therefore not to be trusted? Or are we confusing the hunger drive with something else? The problem is not hunger any more than it is thirst or the need to breathe. The problem is what we eat, not our desire to be satisfied. I know everyone is fond of ice creams, but there is a very, very dirty tooth behind the ice creams. Here it goes. Ice creams, the chilling truth. Ice cream, a universally loved dessert, actually poses the greatest health hazards among all milk products. Not a single virtue can be attributed to it except a satisfaction to the palate at the cost of degeneration of your health. However, if you must eat ice cream, be sure that you eat real ice cream instead of what passes off as an ice cream in many shops. Most ice creams in the market today are nothing more than an abominable mixture of poisons and filth that belongs in a trash heap, not good for your body. Instead of using cream from milk, scraps from slaughterhouses are purchased and the fat extracted out of them is used. Nature's Path magazine has an article listing the dangerous ingredients which are combined together in commercially made ice creams. Ice creams manufacturers are not required by law to list the additives used in the manufacture of their products. Consequently, today most ice creams ice creams are synthetics from start to finish. Analysis have shown the following. Diethylglycol is found in the modern day ice cream. It is a cheap chemical. used as an emulsifier instead of eggs diethylglycol is the same chemical used in antifreeze and paint removers aldehyde c17 used to flavor cherry ice cream is an inflammable liquid which is also used in aniline dyes plastic and rubber piperazole is another chemical which is used to uh, kill lice it is used in place of vanilla Ethyl acetate is used to give ice cream a pineapple flavor. It is also used as a cleaner for leather and textiles. And it vapors have been known to cause chronic lung, liver and heart damage. Butyl aldehyde 
is used in nut flavored ice cream it is one of the ingredients of rubber cement amyl acetate is used for its banana flavor it is used as an paint solvent benzyl acetate is used for strawberry flavor it is a nitrate solvent for nitrate sauce the next time you are tempted by an attractive looking banana split sundae think of it as a mixture of antifreeze oil paint and nitrate solvent and lice killer and you will not find it so appetizing wait before you are tempted by the taste of crunchy almond or snowy vanilla ice cream synthetic substances are used to flavor the creamy stuff germicides insecticides solvents and carcinogenic synthetic flavors are some of the most common ingredients found in commercial ice cream additives and ice cream include neutralizer stabilizer emulsifiers buffers antioxidants surfactants bactericides synthetic colors and artificial flavors all the flavor they cause cancer the fact is that surfactants which reduce the surface tension and are wetting agent are chemicals similar to detergents most emulsifiers are poly polyoxy ethylene based and have caused cancer in experimental animals most germicides antifreeze agents and paint removers contain propylene glycol alginate so does ice cream then why are such products used animals given even minute quantities of propylene glycol alginate developed diarrhea and some of them even died so after hearing so much about your ice cream i'm sure you will think twice before buying and feeding it to your kids instead you can look for uh, plant based or vegan ice creams which are being made to uh, some quality or standard uh, but then you have to find out at your own level because this uh, podcast is not to promote any particular brand or i have not been paid to uh, say something good about a particular company thank you for listening bye i will see you or i will send a next podcast which will give you authentic and honest information bye take care